0: everybody this is libby hellman and i am you are now in uh listening to second sunday books and we're coming to you from the windy city and i am very excited about my guest tonight It she writes in a genre that is somewhat new to me but probably not to a lot of you and we'll get to that in a minute i just have a couple of housekeeping things to get under to get uh to clean up. And that is to tell you that second Sunday books is a trademark podcast. uh, Excuse me, having trouble getting the words out tonight. Second Sunday books is a trademarked copyrighted podcast owned solely by the authors on the air, global radio network. There got that out. Okay. I'm free. Um, Tonight, we are talking to Susan Mura. Did I pronounce that right, Susan? You did. Yes. Okay, great. And Susan is the author. It's a, I believe, in her second book. It's called Shards of Light, and um, it's um, it's it's youth oriented. And the great news is she just won a special award it, it, from the Royal. It's called the Royal Dragonfly Award from Story Monsters, and she won first place for Youth Fiction in Shards of Light. So you can hear me applauding, and all of you at home, I hope you're applauding too. Congratulations, Susan. Tell us about the award, what it means, and, and how, how it came to you, and what Story Monsters are,
1: is. Well, first I wanna say thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be on your show. And um it is a young adult award and I just wanna clarify that because youth is for more for kids and young adult is for um teens and adults really. So it was uh first place for um shards of light in young in young adult fiction and um I guess you know, like with any award, it just really kind of it, it just feels good like oh okay i thought it was good but now i see you know others thought it was good okay. too obviously the reviewers who read it and uh it's just good validation for an author and it's also something of course that authors can use then to help promote their books as well oh
0: absolutely third-party credibility
1: yeah yeah but and, tell us okay What story monsters oh story monsters puts out a magazine so they are a magazine that um um promotes books and um goes out to libraries and schools and individuals um you know telling about new books that are coming out and reviewing the books and where you can get them and what each one is a, a synopsis of what they're about so story monsters is a uh, a magazine about books and um they put out this contest every year. I think actually a couple of times a year. Um, I'm, I'm excited to say that the book one in the Healer series uh, won a Story Monsters Award last year as well. And that book one is Healer and book two is Shards of Light.
0: Wonderful. Okay, so you are on your way. And I have to say that I read the book and I really, really enjoyed it. I thought the writing was excellent. Just Thank excellent. you. Um, and I looked forward to getting back to it in the evenings. You know when I, you know, your work is finished and you're gonna turn off the TV, and and I would and I would read it, and I just found it to be really, really lovely. Did you go to Italy? Because a lot of it is set in Italy at a at a convent.
1: And um, yes, did you go there? So I did. Oh, I um.
0: I am actually
1: a Sicilian. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I cut you off? No, no. Go
0: ahead.
1: Okay. So I am actually Sicilian and half the first half of the book takes place in Sicily. And um I have I did spend a week in Sicily a couple of years ago and then last year I spent a week in mainland Italy and mm-hmm. I thought, "Oh, what a fantastic place this would be to to set the novel because it's just so much like rugged dramatic beauty in sicily and these mountains and the ocean and the vineyards and everything and um since my main character shiloh Gianelli, is italian american um i thought it would be kind of a fun setting to have her start off in sicily visiting this great grandmother who also possessed this powerful and spiritual gift that shiloh possesses which is the gift of healing the ability me, to heal others.
0: Let me, let, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. Do you really know that there, do you believe there are inherent healers, people who, um you know, who can actually heal other people with their hands or with a blessing or with a prayer?
1: You know, I love that question and I don't know exactly how to answer it. So I'll just tell you, um i guess the best i can and that is that i absolutely as you know i'm a christian and i do believe in spiritual gifts and um there are many different kinds of spiritual gifts for example um leadership and communication and um oh just generosity there's a whole bunch of them encouragement and one of the gifts that are listed in the bible is healing um I don't know if people, if there are still people on this. I think at one time there were people who could do this um, because I, as a Christian, I believe in the Bible and and they had um, accounts, you know, of people healing other people. I don't know if there's anybody like that right now. I can tell you that this is, even among Christians, a very controversial um, power, spiritual gift. It's, you know, some people believe it exists and other people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I that's why I thought it would be really kind of a fascinating premise for a novel. Mm-hmm.
0: It is. I mean, it, it really is. And so it's probably inherited um, because her great-grandmother had it, and then Shiloh has it too, right?
1: Not so much inherited. I mean, I think that in I, – I guess I implied that in the book because um, it kind of skipped a generation, and they both have these – piercing blue eyes that nobody else has, but in actuality, a spiritual gift biblically is something that um, God gives you, that he, you know, chooses you to have a specific one. So it wouldn't be inherited as in something that you would biologically inherit.
0: Right. Okay, so what I'm jumping ahead a little bit, let's go back, and and can you tell me a little bit about the premise or tell our, <clears throat> excuse me, our listeners something about the premise of Shards of stars sure. and Light?
1: Yes. Um, you know, in order to do that, let me just quickly go back to book one, Healer. And in Healer, you're introduced to Shiloh Ginelli, who's about to turn 17 years old. And um, in the very first uh, scene of the of the novel, um, she is just a child. And you see her healing a dog that's been hit by a car. And then this gift kind of goes dormant for, for, for 10 years and... Um, in the next, the next thing that's happening is she is discovering that she has this ability. She, she heals a child who is in the hospital who's been abused. And from that point, she discovers that she has this spiritual gift of healing. And it really turns her world inside out. I mean, she has this really cute boyfriend, Kenji, who she's madly in love with. And she's got all kinds of things going on in her life. She's involved in soccer. And she's got, of course, many friends and all of that. And um, when this happens, it changes everything. She has to keep it a secret, and she can't let people know about it. You can imagine if, if you're able to heal people, how you would be hounded. Um, yeah. At the end of the book, and I don't want to say everything that happens in Healer, but at the very end of Healer, um, she is in danger from a gang. She is um, there's a, a lot of reasons where Shiloh just needs to kind of get out of Dodge for a while. <laughs> And so she is heading to uh Sicily to stay for the summer with her great grandmother, who is not a nun, but she is living at a convent with you know, mm-hmm. in Sicily. So Shards of Light begins right where Healer took off and it's with Shiloh arriving in Sicily at this mountain top convent where she's gonna spend <laughs> the summer and she thinks it's going to be kind of a, a slow summer, maybe kinda of boring, but it very <laughs> quickly <laughs> um turns into a very action packed, danger filled and even romance filled kind of summer.
0: I find it incredible that you have melded Christian fiction with crime fiction and a little <laughs> romance to come up with something that is really very pleasurable and delightful to read. Um how did you do that?
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I knew that if if my novels were going to be, you know, enjoyed by young adults and that they needed to be kind of action packed, they needed to have cliffhangers at the end of chapters, there needed to be a lot going on. And I just wanted to also be able to incorporate my faith somewhat into what i was writing and um so i do that in a way i try to do that in a way where as i said there's a lot going on there's a romance and there's danger and there's all kinds of real life things and my books include uh human trafficking is a heavy issue in this one shards of light um and but you can still do all of that in keeping with your faith and i don't my books don't include any Graphic sex, Um, there is violence, but it's not bloody, gory, detailed violence. Um, There's no Mm -hmm. swearing, you know, that sort of thing. And most of my characters, except for the bad guys, are pretty decent people who are trying to help each other and encourage each other and do the right thing.
0: Well, you know, okay, so you write Christian fiction, and I obviously shied away from it because I think of myself as a secular person, but um, you grappled with some pretty realistic issues. I mean, there was child sex trafficking, greedy lawyers, people who did not take take accountability for their actions. Are there any issues that you would not take on in a Christian fiction genre? In fact, I guess what I'm asking about are what, it, what are the criteria to keep uh, to keep it within that genre?
1: That is a great question. And so my answer to that is there's no issues that I wouldn't take on. It's all about how you write about them. Mm-hmm. Because issues happen to every Issues, um, no, there is no issue that can't happen to anybody, no matter the, what religion they are or not religious at all or whatever. Things happen to all of us. And so that's why I feel like there isn't an issue I wouldn't take on. I mean human trafficking especially with children is is a, one of the, I think the worst issues that darkest issues that there are out there. Yeah. Um so uh there's nothing I would avoid It's all in how you write about it. And as I said previously I I just wouldn't use certain kinds of wording or details.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Okay, I got it. Um I noticed that at least in this in this book, there are several mixed-race relationships, but you didn't deal at all with racism. Is that going to be in the next book, or did you deal with it in the first book?
1: Um, I, you're right. I didn't deal with racism. I I, oh. I guess I, maybe I felt like I had taken on enough <laughs> issues already. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do absolutely like for my books and my characters to be diverse. Uh, My feeling Mm -hmm. is that we live in a very diverse world, and I want my books to represent that. And in my own family, which started out way back when as being just 100% Italian, um, we have now, as the years have gone by and people have married and had children and adopted children, become a very, very diverse family. And I live Mm -hmm. in the Chicago area, which is a very diverse section of the country. So I want my books to reflect diversity. Um, racism is definitely an issue, and it may very well be one that I deal with in the, um, in the third book in the Healer series, especially with Melody, one of the main characters, being half Nigerian, you know. So right. of all the characters in the book, she'd probably be the most likely to have to deal with racism.
0: How, um, let me ask you, uh,
1: how, you were talking, you know, everybody goes through problems
0: and everyone has issues. Um, and I understand the need for a character to have those those issues like Melody's, uh, Melody's problems and to be angry, to be self-obsessed as she was, to be fearful. Mm-hmm. But how far into the dark side can one of your characters go? For example, would a murderer ever find redemption in one of your books?
1: Yes, yes, because as a Christian, I believe that um, – anybody can be redeemed uh, through the power of God. And so that could happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know that mm-hmm. that's something I would necessarily write about, but I I don't know for sure if I would, but um, it's something that I believe can happen. Yes.
0: So yours is the first Christian fiction book that I have read, and I found it much more spiritual than I found it Christian and you know I was afraid I might be offended but I wasn't um, and how, how did that happen I mean it, it really was an appealing story for a lot of reasons only one of which was the idea of of God which I happened who I who I happened to believe it
1: well I really appreciate that. First of all, that means a lot to me because, um, it's, it's not easy to do that. And it really takes kind of going back through the book and making revisions and more revisions so that I don't want it to be preachy. I don't want it to be, um, I hate to, I don't know how else to say it except overly Christian-y, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of people, in this world, believe in God, and so can they can relate to, you know, those kinds of references to God. Um, my my characters reflect what I consider to be certain Christian values, um, so I keep those values in there. But I also make them try to make them real people with real faults and real shortcomings and fears and. Trials and that sort of thing. Uh, I don't know if I, I'm answering your question exactly. I, I, Am I? think what
0: you did was, um, you know, now that I'm really thinking about it, you showed, but you didn't tell. And that was the okay. difference. You showed me that these characters were basically good people, but you didn't have to tell me why they were or because of their faith they were or because mm-hmm. they believed, you know, and that always is to me, much more appealing anyway. So that that's another thing that I really liked. Um, Thank you.
1: I and, you know, the of, thing is, too, is that the book is not about Christianity. I mean, it's got its own story to tell. Right. And so that is a part that's reflected in it, but not the story. You know what I'm saying? You,
0: yeah, exactly. Um, is most Chris, Christian fiction like that? Or, I mean, I know there's a, it's grown a lot over the past few years, and I know there are a lot of people that are hungry for Christian fiction. What do you think is the attraction?
1: I think that we're living in a really dark world, for one thing. And I think that social media in particular has made it even more stressful and full of anxiety, and there's all kinds of, all kinds of studies that show that. Um, it's given, unfortunately, it's given bad people and mean people a place to meet each other or to spread their negativity and discouragement and um, a lot of other bad words, <laughs> bad things. Um, and I think that it's really kind of having an, a negative impact on people. And so I I feel like maybe the reason Christian fiction is growing as a genre is people are looking for positive, more positive stories, more encouragement, more things where they can finish the book and feel good, you know, Mm -hmm. about the characters and about the story in general.
0: Mm -hmm. Are the stories that people tell in Christian fiction um, stories like yours that are really mysteries and romance and um, just happen to be set in a world where people have faith or is it more, is more of it tied into the necessity for faith and the necessity to believe in a God and to believe in Jesus Christ
1: that depends entirely on the author I would say that there are a lot of both kinds out there um, I you know I want my books to appeal to a broader audience and so um I tone down, you know, I don't, like I said before, I try not to make it preachy, but I've also read a lot of books that are kind of preachy or a lot heavier into Christian references. And, you know, there's a niche for those. There's people who, who want those. Um, Mm -hmm. I primarily write for a young adult audience. And I think that I would lose my readers if I wrote in that way. Mm -hmm. So um, I think you'll find more of the heavier Christian references in the adult books and some Mm -hmm. of the Christian fiction adult books. And a lot of those tend to be romances more so than crime or thriller or mysteries. Uh, I think romance is kind of a a big, (laughs) a big draw in the Christian fiction market.
0: Romance is supposedly the biggest selling genre in the country. Right, but mm-hmm. mystery is mystery is almost up there now, equal because there are a lot of romance authors that I meet who are now turning to romantic suspense and even straight mystery, which I find mm-hmm. interesting. And when I write my mystery books, I always have some kind of element of romance in them, you know, whether it's a, a romance that went bad or a romance that's budding. So we're all mixing. Right, up and.
1: Them. Yeah, and the Go same ahead. here. I mean, my, my books aren't about the romance, but, you know, the romance between Shiloh and her boyfriend Kenji and their breakups and their issues. Um, and then there was, a, in Shards of Light, um, a new guy, a, a guy from Italy, who oh, kind geez. of uh, made it a, a – <laughs> yes, <laughs> Domenico. And um, – so he's, and he, I just pictured him in my mind and how, how cute he was and sexy and all of that. Um, so you, that, was, and his, that
0: was another thing that surprised me was that um, both uh, Shiloh and um, her uh, boyfriend, you know, were very, it was very realistic. They were away from each other and they started, you know, other people were paying them attention and, mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, kind of surprised that that would
1: well, happen in, in in a book like that. I I was again, I was like, it was a nice surprise. Uh, Christians are not squeaky clean angelic; they're human. I mean, they're humans. Yeah. We're all humans, and we both have passion, and I mean, we all—not both—we all have right passion and desires, yeah. and and shortcomings and weaknesses. Right. And you know, I figured why not put all of that real stuff in there and make this book a little real as as much so as I could. Right. Right.
0: So, let's talk about you for a little bit. What oh. made you <laughs> decide, What made you decide to start writing fiction in the first place? And when you decided to write, did you know Already, what genre
1: you wanted to write? I mean, how did, how did it happen? Um, I'm going to go way back when for just a second and say that from the time I was a kid in grade school, writing was my favorite thing. I loved English class. I loved when teachers would say, write an essay about your summer vacation or whatever the topic was. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was kind of a nerdy little writer girl from the time I was a kid. And Um, and then in high school, I joined the high school newspaper and oh my gosh, that was it. I knew that I wanted to be a newspaper reporter. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So I, um, then went to college and I never liked school very much, but I had that goal and that goal kept me going through those four years and getting the grades I needed to get and being on the college newspaper and two weeks after I graduated, um, I actually got a job at a, a newspaper, a local newspaper. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I'm going to fast forward now and say that I worked in journalism for seven years. I did newspaper work. I, worked, I moved to New Mexico and worked uh, for a television station out there, an NBC affiliate. And eventually I went into public relations, and mm-hmm. I did that for the next couple of decades. Um, oh. So here I was always making a living. At writing, right. but it was not fiction. But fiction was just kind of in my soul. I wanted to do it very badly. I, and I. We're,
0: I um, we're sisters that? Because we have the same trajectory. I was also <laughs> in broadcast news and then in PR and now a writer. But
1: anyway, I'm interrupting. Go right. Ahead. No, I know that you kind of took a very similar path. Um, and so at a time that was probably the worst time in my life to start writing, which was because I worked full-time. I had two little children, and um, my husband was a cop, a police sergeant, actually, so he was working opposite shifts from me. He was working in the evenings. Um, So I would come home from work and pick up the kids and have a very full evening of making dinner and helping with homework and going to soccer practice. And this is when I decided to (laughs) start working on books. which was kind of crazy, but, you know, where there's a will, there's a way, and um, I would sit in my car during soccer practice and write in a notebook, and I would sit on the edge of the pool during swimming lessons and write in a notebook and so on and so on, and Mm -hmm. uh, use my lunch hours at work to type up my notes and put things together, Mm -hmm. and it took a long time to have a first draft. Um, It took a it took about two years to put Healer together and that was just my first draft. Uh it went through many revisions over the years and it was not my first published book. My first published book was called Show Me a Sign and um Healer came next and then Shards of Light after that. Mm, well that's and,
0: amazing. It took me four my fourth book was the first one that was published. So you got oh. published.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, I had three practice novels under my belt.
1: Well, I would oh. say from the time I started writing, though, working on Healer, that it was almost 10 years before mm-hmm. something was published. So it was a very long process.
0: Yeah. What's the hardest part of writing or the part the, the most difficult element of writing for you, of, of the craft?
1: That is easy to answer because it's not the writing the hardest part of writing for me is the marketing, which is crazy because that's been my whole life's career. Um, but I feel so uncomfortable promoting myself and my work. You know it's fine for me to promote other people but,
0: yep. um tell me all about, yep, tell me about it
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you know exactly what I'm talking about, and yet yeah, it is absolutely a requirement. I mean, publishing houses expect that of you. they want you to take a very big part, a key part in getting oh, yeah. the word out there,
0: oh yeah uh, yeah it's it's tough,
1: it's a tough world,
0: and what's the easiest part of writing for you?
1: You know what the easiest part is the first chapter. I just always really? know how I want my books to start, and I get on a roll, and then I can kind of use some of that momentum to get through the second chapter, and it kind of starts winding down in the third chapter. And then I'm like, okay, <laughs> now what?
0: So, right. So you don't really uh, use an uh, an outline. You write from the seat of your pants, as we call it.
1: I don't use an outline when I start. And then when I hit that part and maybe after the third chapter or so, when I start feeling stuck, I bet at that point I will sit down and start right. figuring out um, and putting together kind of a loose outline which really then helps me get through the rest of the of the book.
0: Have you ever um, does your outline change? Is it flexible? Have you ever been surprised by something one of your characters does that that affects the trajectory of your plot?
1: Absolutely, yes, I my my outline is certainly not rigid, and sometimes when you're writing your characters, um, I'm, I'm sure many authors have said this to you, and, and you know it as, in, as a writer, your characters tend to take on a life of their own and and do something or say something, and then you have to change, you know, where you go from there, or even sometimes go back and change right. something so that it ties into what just that, took place that you weren't <laughs> expecting.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right before we started this interview, I, I'm, I'm in a... Very small writers group. Do you, are you? You're in a writers group also, aren't you?
1: I'm uh, president of ACFW Chicago, which is the American Christian Fiction Writers, and it's right. ACFW Chicago is part of a national um, writers group. So yes. Okay.
0: So so anyway, we there's only three of us, and we're now meeting by Zoom, which is so cool because ah. we don't have to. Room anymore. There's one guy who lives on the south side and one lives on the north side, and then I live up here in Northbrook. And um, they just, we just met yesterday, and um, they really kind of skewered my pages. So, right oh, before that. Well, no, it's it was a question that needed to be rewritten. So I've gone back to those 15 pages, and I'm almost finished rewriting them. But they were absolutely right, and, and, and they're much better now. And, you know, you hate to say, oh, my God, now I have to go back and redo all that, and I have to add another scene here. But you know what? You do it. You do it.
1: Right. You know, or maybe I
0: you can't until you the to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I can't tell you how many times I had something – critiqued and you look at it and you think, you know, and you're saying nasty things about that person in your head and kind of stomping around and thinking they just don't get it and they don't get my characters and they don't get me and my story. And then so I go through that for maybe an hour or two and then the wheels start turning. Well, maybe they had a point. Maybe I could (laughs) have my character say this or do that instead. And, And then you start working on it and, more often than not, it really does turn out much better than it was originally.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate to admit it, but I, I'm going to email them this afternoon and tell them they were right. So <laughs> where, what do you, where do you see yourself going from here? Are you going are you writing book three in this series, right?
1: You know what I'm writing? Remember I told you that my first book published was called Show Me a Sign, and that was 2014, I just, um, about a year ago, got my rights back to that book. And my current publisher was very interested in republishing it. But I want to, I mean, I've learned a lot in the past eight years or so, and Mm -hmm. um, since I originally started writing that novel. And I really want to go through and make revisions to it. And she wanted to give it a new title. So it's going to be called Signs in the Dark, and it is not part of the Healer series at all. It's going to be a – I'm going to work on that now and and get back to Healer afterward. Um, So it's kind of – what's that?
0: Is it a mystery?
1: It is a story of a deaf girl. Uh, Again, it has two main characters, but this is a boy and a girl, and they're both 17. And the deaf girl in the very first scene gets kidnapped. Oh, wow. This boy who had just asked her out on a first date, they didn't even have their first date yet, he is a prime suspect in the kidnapping. I love and it. So it starts out moving pretty quick.
0: <laughs> oh, Susan, that is,
1: that's terrific. That's wonderful.
0: Good for you. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, I'm <laughs> so glad that we talked. Um, and our time is coming to an end. Is there anything else that you want our listeners to know? Before we say goodnight, night.
1: Um, no, nothing I can think of. Like I said, I really appreciate being on your show. I loved your questions. They were very thought provoking oh. and I appreciate oh, that.
0: Thank you. Um, okay, everybody. Shards of Light is an award winning book. Um, read it. Oh, wait, there was one more question. It was about Shiloh and her healing power. How does she know who to heal? Does I know she, the, the feeling comes over her, or comes into her 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 head and then her shoulders and her body. It's kind of a physical thing. But do you think that you know it's so new to her that she hasn't really controlled it as well as she might in the future?
1: The key thing here is that Shiloh does not have control of the power. It was given to her okay. by God, and He decides who. Is healed And who who isn't. And so this is very hard for her. It's very painful when people that she wants to heal, she can't sometimes. Um, and because she doesn't, and the, her great grandmother explains to her, you know, we don't see the whole picture. We only see a brush stroke. God sees the whole picture and how each life impacts another. He decides who she can heal and who she can't. So, and when she is healing somebody, yes, it does become a very physical and spiritual thing where she's almost like transported kind of mentally to another realm, but she's staying, you know, she's physically staying in place and um, she feels very light and airy and all of that. So she feels the heat, the heat of the healing power running through her.
0: Terrific. Yeah. Okay. Well, With that, we're going to say we're going to say sayonara. And Susan, thank you so much for being with us. This is a season of gratitude, and I am very grateful that we were able to get this together. And I wish you all the success in the world with shards of light and dark. The signs in the dark—that sounds like a real winner too. And come back when that's out, and we'll talk about that.
1: I would love to. Thank you so much. Okay. And everyone,
0: um, I will be back again uh, next month. I will be talking to Zoe Sharp about her new novel. And until then, I hope everyone has a great holiday season because that's what it is in this part of our world. So long, everyone.
1: Yeah.